G'day, it is The Coach, and we are talking all things Cities of Sigma, one of the armies that is nearest and dearest to my heart. And I have a really special guest. I have um, I have another one of the Texas crew taking over my channel. It feels like I, I had some good barbecue in 2019, and it's all kind of it's all like manifesting now. And Texas is taking over. But most importantly, I've got Gavin. Um, Gavin has you went five you went five and zero oh at Lone Star Open with Living Cities, which yeah. is an army that is. Well, I think no, I think it was a four one. It is four one, but with just good soft scores. So it made me look like I'm better than I actually am, right? <laughs> you came third. You came third, yeah. most importantly, out of like a yeah. sixty player event. And I've been saying for a long time that Living City is a sleeper army. And we're not talking Living Cities, guys. This is not just the Living City show. We're gonna talk about Gav's list um that went um, four and one, but we're going to talk more about how we're looking at Cities of Sigma in third edition. And I'm going to share some of my thoughts as well, being a, a Cities of Sigma player. But Gav, with the with the mad skills and the mad experience, while I'm in lockdown doing a hard time, um, can actually talk a bit more about the practical stuff. But before before we get into it, mate, do you want to introduce yourself and share a little bit about your Warhammer journey? Yeah, no problem. I'm Gavin Grigger. I'm also based in Texas, just like old Mr. Kennedy was a few episodes back. Um, been playing Sigmar since middle of 2019. Got into it when 2.0 rolled around, which I'm sure a lot of people got into it about that time. It seems to have really exploded around that point and um, just play everything. Um, I really like just exploring all the play styles that are in the game and Cities of Sigmar is the latest thing to grab my attention. So um, I, I'm okay age of sigmar i mean could everyone could be better right just adequately good but um but yeah i just you're love humble the too you didn't you didn't mention <laughs> you didn't mention to me before that you're a humble um and it's funny because in the chat at the moment we've already got the big debate which is which is the best city i might have flamed the fire with um jonathan in the chat mentioning that gray water fastness is the best i have gone out on record many times to say that i think it's the worst or one of the worst. I would have said Phoenician is the worst, but somebody actually went really well with Phoenician <laughs> recently. So I, I might have to eat my yeah. words with that one. It's like the upside down world. Everybody's do, doing really well with armies that everyone thinks is bad. But um, I mean, it's a, it's a decent down. segue. We can freaking, um, we could kind of get into where we think the cities sit, right? Like, and I, yeah. I think there's like a clear, like top tier competitive set of cities in my opinion um but um i don't know if you um you have well, your own opinions on that right yeah we'll, we'll we'll share i'll share my opinion as well i'll let you have the the opening but before we get into the the meat of the cities i might ask you more of like a just a general question and that is how do you think cities has fared for third edition so i've been playing it in second uh, had a little bit of experience in third so far um but how do you think we've we've gone jumping from additions? So I think that the main problems that you had with cities in 2.0 was mostly related to list building and that you were always like a million drops and your artifacts sucked, right? And, that, and both of those things were solved with 3.0 where you have access to a battle regiment and you have access to generic uh, command abilities and artifacts that are both extremely valuable to cities, um, specifically the master magic with arcane tome makes a lot of those um, smaller heroes that you have to take to get 
keyworded battle line actually valuable instead of just like 110 point waste of points. But um, there's a few of the things that have popped up in the transition for me. I think I think for me when I look at it, and, it, and this might even kind of go into some of the win and losers for for the cities. I think it's a bit of a mixed bag for us. I think from a, a negative point of view, I think we lost a few things. Uh, if you're a, um, a Hallow Heart player, you know you don't automatically get the free second spell. You've got to pay for it as a additional enhancement. Um, I think some builds really lost out by not having a Stormcast General now. I used to love taking the Knight Cantor as my general, being a very durable wizard. Um, but yeah, then on the other side, you're right. rules are very strange, yeah, for sure. Yeah, so we still have Stormcast, but we just can't make it our general. So that does mm. change a few things. Um, at the same time, with you're right, our battalions in most of the factions were rubbish. There's probably a couple that were kind of decent. You know, Tempest yeah. Die, if you like your pistol ears. Hello Heart definitely worked well. There's a couple that kind of worked, but for most of them, you're right. We couldn't really drop out, reduce our drops. Very restrictive in some of our builds. So I think, I think overall we probably won a little, but we did lose a couple depending on yeah. where you were on the fence. Yeah, the uh, the points changes were neutral. So like as a net return, beneficial to cities. I think. Yeah, like, I don't know if you, and- if anything has popped up as being really cost prohibitive i don't i can't think of anything no no and you know like the the great thing for us as well is we have really reaped the benefits you know we got um in addition to cities of sigma we've gained um harkuron we've gained um mist harven we've gained uh what's it called the settlers gain from um, Mm. they're all from the broken realm series um we've gained access to the new stormcast so you know, at the time of recording, we've got the dragons and we've got, you know, so many cool models coming from a new book. Then we've had the Warsong Revenant coming from from uh, uh, Sylvaneth. Um, we're just like reaping all the benefits. So, which which then, you know, makes it a lot harder for us to talk lists. Yeah, for sure. There's just a lot of, I mean, it's basically unlimited roster building because of how deep you can go into each of the, the books that are outside of cities of Sigmar is very similar to um, Slave of Darkness in that way, where you have the roster is much larger than it appears at first glance, right? Yeah, yeah, it, it's it's the deepest roster. Like you can see on my display shelf there, I've got eight full. I've actually got a double layer for my uh, my display cabinet, and there's eight full shelves, and I've got more models all around. I've just that's all just cities of Sigmar. That's just all cities. So I've got. 20,000 points, and I'm I, and I can now add Lumineth. You know, now that I've got Settler's Gain, I can add Lumineth. Oh, I've got, but you've got Harkuron. I can add, <laughs> I can, I can add Daughters of Cain. I can add one in four daughters and go have, have Marathi or, and then add Gotrek. And again, it's just the, I think the for me, cities is just, it's exciting. There's a lot of cool list options. Yep. So, um, anything else that you've noticed from third edition? I mean, We've gained things like, um, we've all gained, you know, obviously the battle tactics has come into play. We've got, you know, um, uh, heroic actions, monstrous rampage. I don't know, how, how, do you, how do you find monstrous rampage? Because our monsters mostly aren't the best monsters. Like, they're not the worst. They're not the best. They're kind of like middle tier mostly, in my opinion. Yeah, and that's that's kind of the same thing that I think about the monstrous rampages in specifically. What it makes it really hard for, cities of sigmar rosters to do is chase other monsters i think because 
a lot of their monsters are very CP dependent on their damage or their tankiness. And when you go into another monster, you get roared. So yeah. I mean, the free, free guild general, I think hits naturally on fours and you're wanting to use his, um, the benefits on his war scroll. You can still do um, Titanic duel, but that roar interaction is really like a fly in the ointment for trying to kill monsters with monsters in my experience, at least. No, you're right. You're absolutely right. I mean, um, I've been playing Daughters recently and, you know, Marathi goes close to a monster and Marathi gets roared. So all of a sudden the consistency comes down. And when you look at the Dreadlord on Black Dragon and you look at the um, Free Guild General on Griffin, which is probably our two strongest combat monsters natively, not going out of like Stormcast and other things. Mm. Yeah, they probably they really do need the bonus. So you need to try to find those ways to get the Hurricanum has to come into play to make sure you get a little bit more consistency. You've got to get, but, but at least City's got that stuff. Um, yeah. You've got access to a whole lot of inherent bonuses. The, um, the CP changes helped them out a lot too, because you had a lot of bills that were very CP hungry. And now mm. starting with two or three and having access to more CP generation in general, especially when you didn't have the battalions to kind of front load your CP in second edition, has really helped out a lot of builds and then and also given you access to builds that you really wouldn't have considered before, I think. Yeah, you're right. You're right. It has it has opened up a bit of a Pandora's box. And, you know, when I was chatting to my Discord and I'm like, you know, where, where are you all kind of thinking about your lists? There were some things that people were talking about that I haven't sp spoken about for a while. Um, I, I might, I'll jump into that later. Um, I won't get ahead, but, you know, people are talking about new units that they weren't quite talking about in second edition um, that are now kind of seeing a little bit of a, a revival. Yep. But the great news as well is things like your Phoenix Guard are still strong as ever. Um, you know, things that were doing really well, they're still quite strong. Yeah, the Emerald Life Swarm Phoenix Guards, uh, very disgustingly gross. Like, it's um, got a ton of staying power for sure. Well, there's 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 one of the losses that we had was the the way endless spells work. We while endless spells we can move predatory spells in both both you and your opponent's turn. Mm. We've we've lost the empowered by the realm, so we don't get the extra distance on bridge or the umbral spell portal. We don't get the reroll damage from geminids. We don't get those extras. Um, which yeah. I don't know. How, how, how have you thought about endless spells? Have you relied on, on them less with these changes? Like I'm not seeing nearly as many of that traditional bridge with Iron Drake with um, you know with friends because you can't teleport as far. But maybe it's coming back. Yeah, well, I the list that I've had it once we get into it later, but um, just kind of give like a, a preview of it, I guess. Um, the the soul screen bridge is a very integral part of the list because those iron drakes double their efficiency when they don't move, and you have 16 inch range base, so you're not getting in anything that you want to get into by standing still with 16 inch range. So even if soul screen bridge isn't board wide, um, you still need it. I think, and you still get a lot of range. It's deceptive with 18 inches, right? Because you're, you have two placement points within the caster. So it's a much broader range than just 18 inches because the caster can be on a flank and your iron drakes can be, you know, opposite. And you, it's much more than 18 inches. Um, it did turn into a, a casting bonus of one, which is helpful. Like plus one is always helpful, right? But it's not yeah. the same as empowered. So definitely no. a net loss. 
No, yeah, so you're right. What, what I'm saying, just hopefully people don't think that they misinterpret what I said, Bridge is still good. Other, there are other still endless spells that are still good. It's just that there was a whole bunch of additional benefits that some of them brought with the Empowered by the Realms that um, have changed at least maybe you're not... Because I used to see the Bridge, for example, be like a turn one alpha. Like you go in as quick as possible and punch really hard you might need to find yourself with, you know, holding back maybe just slightly or building around maybe dropping that at the bottom of turn one for a turn two or, um, and there's a lot of other things, you know. Uh, and then, uh, something else that's come up with the Soul Screen Bridge is um, when you dispel in both phases now, um, if someone dispels it in your hero phase, you can't cast it. So it's yes. a very interesting dynamic that goes on where you're you're almost deciding if you want to dispel it in your opponent's turn so they don't have control over that because even with no casters you can turn one of your heroes into a caster and go for an unbind now with heroic yeah. with heroic actions and um but bridge as a whole besides the iron drake's interaction is probably just worse because you can't do the entire party bus through it anymore right the hollow heart six units you know the bomb that goes up and just does a million mortal wounds and a lot of shooting damage that doesn't exist anymore but iron drakes are good yeah and and and, and there's still great things and i think you know cities really can take advantage right you've got the monsters to be able to use your heroic actions um you've got some really good shooting to take advantage to unleash hell um so if people are going to shoot you on the if someone's going to charge you you can shoot um, you're going to hopefully have enough CP to do um, the redeploy. Um, probably the only thing maybe I thought about was maybe trying to get, you know, a heal. A lot of our, our troops don't have a very good bravery, so being able to get a consistent D3 heal is a bit of a 50-50 for us. Yeah, for sure. And um, there's not a lot of monsters outside of the Phoenixes that really benefit. Where D3 wounds is going to swing right where um you know something like that is just has a natural save and doesn't have an amulet like one wound isn't going to make a difference a lot of the time but if you have a four plus feel no pain buffering you know you're getting twice the value right so but i think they're bravery eight or nine yeah i, think, I can't, I think I can't if, remember off the top of my head somebody in the chat I'm, get the lore i'm used to I'm used to my free guild just having like rubbish seven at best. Yeah. Um, and I think the Phoenixes might be a little bit higher. And you're right, the Frost and the Fire Phoenix with the Anointed um, have got some really good value, especially with the four up feel no pain or ward mm -hmm. save, and then having a, a cheeky amulet of destiny somewhere else. And I think we're kind of already moving to what I was holding back from is like, what are some of the units that you think have really gained or maybe some units that you think quite strong in third? So we've already talked Phoenixes, for example, they... They've got some good play. What are some of the other top ones you're thinking about? So in a lot of my list building, I find myself gravitating towards fast and durable monsters, right? And if you have damage, it's a bonus, but a lot of those monsters are already just going to naturally have damage if they're a hero monster that is also a caster to get the battle tactics you need done throughout the game because you can stack a stomp with an arcane bolt and you're already halfway through like a smaller 10 man battle line unit, like just naturally. And then, I mean, if you have negligible damage, you can usually kill the other five points of that screen. And that's really what you're trying to kill with monsters. Um, I think what is more important than the damage they do is the ability to stay on the board and the ability to get around the board where they need to be. 
So Phoenixes are a prime candidate. I think they're one of the best monsters in the game for their points. Um, a lot of the monsters that cities have access to outside of the actual book, I like a lot more, like the Star Drake. And, you know, as we'll get into it, I think Sylvaneth has got a great roster of hero monsters. That's yeah. kind of my experience with the units that, at least one of the units that I think is really strong, 3.0 for cities. Yeah, and we don't know at, the, at this present moment what Stormcast is going to bring to the table. Um, I think there's some rumors that um, formulators um, have lost their shooting attack, which then changes their requirement. in Because they used to be really good in Living City, being able to get the right. shoot and then the free move. So we don't know what Stormcast is bringing to the table. So we'll kind of pause them a little bit. Um, which which makes me nervous because I obviously love my Knight of Zeros getting the fact that a lot of rerolls have been reduced from the game and the Knight of Zeros currently gives you a reroll to both shooting yeah. and combat. So yeah, if that sure. changes, obviously the the drops in value, but um, yeah. the board size as well does change things a little bit. You've got a, a much smaller board size. It's not as long. There's not as, as many objectives, and I'm finding just from a list building perspective, I'm not going down those multiple small units, those cheap screens. I don't. I'm not relying on things like Aether Wings as much to go out and try to claim one or two objectives while my core force is going in up the center or the sides for one or two. I'm not stretched nearly as far, which might work in my favor. Yeah, agreed. Um, and then a lot of the mission pack in Gur also favors the mid-board grinder style. There's not a lot of, beside from the vice, there's nothing that's going to force you to move to your opponent's deployment zone, really. It's mostly all the objectives are in the center and you're fighting over those objectives in the center. So toughness, I think, is very important in 3.0. And Cities has it in various ways. It's just some of them aren't as straightforward as others. And... Um, also in 3.0 with that smaller board size that you mentioned, a lot of the stuff that comes in off of board edge, such as in Living City, I find much more valuable because it's harder for your opponent to hide from it, just naturally yeah. because the board is condensed so much. So there's two things I've noticed. And that's and that probably works well for our shooting because I think what because I'm a I'm a core free guild player. So again, anyone can see my display cabinet, it's just like free guild to the wazoo. Um I've even got like 120 flag 140 flagellants. So <laughs> Um, I have a, I have a lot of cities. Did you ever um, do the the index list with the old? You could just do flagellants with the um, with those the war old, altar those, and yeah, the, the war altar and the witch, the witch hunter. Yeah. Yeah. I so I never got to. I um, um, I never got to. I wanted to, and um, I started contrast painting. When contrast paint coming out, I went like, right, I'm just gonna smash out these flagellants, and then they cut um, devoted. So hopefully, they come back together in like some order of Azir type thing. Yeah. Um, but when I was look, when I was writing up some notes, because I, I was really trying to think about this. Cities has a deep roster, over sixty units naturally. It then has access to over sixty in Stormcast, another like forty in Silver. Oh man, I don't know, Sylvaneth's forty, but you got you know Sylvaneth, you've got Daughters of Cain allies, Deepkin allies. I think Fire Slayers can be an ally. Carriage and Overlords can be an ally. So it has like over probably probably 300 units. And like when I was thinking about it, you know, I was thinking, and the, oh, and another thing as well that um, Broken Realms brought is the dad and daughter combo. And um, the, um, the the shooter, the, is it Darlena? Darlena. Yeah, they, they, they shoot the endless spells. Yeah. So decent. Being able to. Definitely a cool little unit. 
being able to like t- you know doing some extra damage to the to wizards which i think for us we don't have the strongest wizards in the army we we've got some great unbinds whether it's the rune lord or the anointed although the rune lord is just but plus two to the unbind mm-hmm. and i think it has two unbinds a turn like it's it's good value yeah it's very good for sure um and then master magic gives you rerolls, so it can be very oppressive to things that are trying to naturally cast spells for sure and there's a lot of magic at the moment and a lot of powerful magic and even things like, you know, people using things like the Emerald Life Swarm to, to heal up Archeon or, you know, s- certain types of s- real hero monsters. You can help deny that with a hundred point hero. Like he's not mm. that expensive. Yeah. And it's, and it, it used to be almost a tax, right? Because you had to take it to, to the Jordan battle line. But now with Master Magic Arcane Tome, you get your unbinds, you get your, um the extra rend on your prayer and then you also get you know your casting a, a lot of the time i was using him to cast a soul screen bridge in my list because it's just a free cast and he's got a reroll because of master magic so very valuable for sure yeah yeah we, we could talk forever like, like you know when i was thinking about this putting phoenix guard as battle line in hunters of the heartland so they so someone can't um roar at them to stop them from getting a cp having that four up ward save being able to rally them back and bring them up to the back onto the board um let alone emerald life swarm like there's just so many great combinations um uh the gur battle mage getting some additional is it movement or charge I think Drake Drakespawn Knights have some um, some real play now that they've got. I think they've got a really good armor save. Put them in Tempest Die, they get the free plus one to their save in the first turn. Or um, yeah, with that battalion specifically in Tempest Die, um, you could ally in some boats and do the cheeky uh, pregame redeploy. That's how it's being ruled right now. Is that because it's a move? You can yeah. just do a fly high instead before the game starts. Very good. So. Check that one with the TO. I was having that conversation on Carriage and Overlord showed literally days ago and some tournament mm. organizer. What we're talking about is um, there's another uh, battalion called the Alpha Beast Pack that mm. allows you to have two to three monsters and they get a free move as long as they're not hero monsters. Some KO are being ruled as no, they can't. Some of them are saying yes. Yeah, so, but yeah, fly high. Yeah, I would I would lean towards it being an actual move because it, speci- it specifically says D six inches. So, but you know the arguments there. So people Drake, argue. Dr- Dr- yeah, Drake Spawn went down. Um, I've seen some lists with Scourge uh, Scourge Privateer, the Scourge Runner Chariots. They yeah. they seem to be getting a bit of play. I think most of the time, I think Cities got some good good builds. I think I think for me, there's just a couple like like Hallow Heart that might have lost out a little bit. Um, who else? Who else didn't come out at nearly as well? So the the big ones that I think are good are Living City, Hallowheart, Tipistai, and Hark Huron. And then and that's on the back of Marathi for the most part. I think that that has a lot of good play. Um, it does suffer a little bit because you can't take the bow snakes in 15-man blocks because they have to be coalition, so they can't be battle line. Um, but and then there's like this middle tier, right? With Gray water fastness. I put in middle tier. I don't agree with you as it being as bad as it is. Right. Um, I, I, my my argument is that the tempest I build is just mm. better than the gray water build. That that's my argument. It's not that I'm yeah. against gray water. It's just that if I build the same list, I think it does better in tempest eye. Yeah, agreed. I, I, <laughs> I just have it a little higher than you do. But if it's um, all right, that's the old train of thought, right? If it's if it's 
whichever one is better is the one that you pick, and the other one is completely unviable. I get the train. It's trash. Just, just throw it in the bean. Sorry, Jonathan. Just throw it. <laughs> but then, um, but I, at Phoenicia, I thought was a, like kind of a gimmicky army, but apparently people win with it. So I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, I need to. I need. To, I, I. I don't. I don't quite get it. I don't. I still don't get Phoenician. Yeah. And then um, it's just there, there's a lot of the the cities, mostly outside of those four that I that I think are very competitive. The other ones rely on your opponent making a mistake, like a sequential mistake that you can capitalize on. So if you're playing an informed player, I don't think they're as viable competitively. But a lot of people don't know cities of Sigmar in and out, so maybe it works better than I think it does. So one other thing as well is great uh, settlers gain, which is the um, the hish. Um, city of Sigma, so uh, and that allows you to go one in four Lumineth. Mm. Um, I think that that if you go down that route, and maybe it's the Hallow Heart in me, I'm like, I almost feel like I'd rather take a Hallow Heart build and maybe put it in Settlers Gain and take advantage of some of the Lumineth stuff, whether it's the Lumineth Archers, whether it's a Cathalar, a Teclas, um, a Foxy Fox, or two Foxy Foxes with mm. Severeth. Um, why do you think Hallow Heart? Because like, for me, I was a bit disheartened. Because I really love Hallow Heart, and I thought losing the battalion really hurt me. Because I love to run the the Hurricanum as the general to take the damage, to get the pluses to to the cast and the unbind. Um, why? What are your thoughts on Hallow Heart, and why why are you rating it still a little bit high? Um, so I think a lot of the power in Hallow Heart um, is in the magic negate that you can have across the whole army, because there's a lot of magic in the game that is game defining. And, you know, Lumineth pops into mind. Um, and just having magic negates in general, I think, is very strong. And then also being able to get that much of a bonus to your cast, you know, usually around three to four to your casting, is it makes you very dominant when you're trying to cast a lot of the spells you want to cast. Um, and there's a lot of spells that you have to have when you want to cast them. So there's battle tactics that interact with monster keyword, right? So if you're trying to turn one of your heroes into a monster with the uh, metamorphosis spell you need that spell and and then to yeah. give you access to the battle tactic or the extra points on the battle tactic so having a dominant magic phase i think is very strong in 3.0 and i think that hallow heart kind of gives you that i would not disagree with anything you said i would not disagree at all and you're right being able to get a up to plus d6 on the cast mm -hmm. um still being able to heal i think is still good and i think uh, yeah, yeah, I, I wouldn't, I would not disagree. Actually, let me. The, um, you're you're, convinc you're convincing really me that it isn't as bad. Yeah, yeah. Um, Settlers' game is really good too. Um, what I found a lot in the list building for it is, like, the Lumineth book is just so it's it's got so many tools that it's hard to convince myself to play Lumineth outside of their book. Like, I think everyone at their heart likes the idea of playing Lumineth because of how toolsy it is, but then um, I see the reaction to it that. When, when people play against it, then it's just, I don't know if I can bring myself to do it. It's a debate that I, I have mean, internally a lot. <laughs> it's, it's, it's something, yeah, it, it is something. Uh, I, I was thinking about it when I was building my, my list. And I'm like, do I really want a law seeker? Do I really want Sephiroth zipping around the table? Do I want the 30 archers or the Cathalar or Teclas? I think the great thing as well is as the meta revolves, 
if you want to tap into that build and you're finding that magic dominance is just supreme and you're really struggling, you've got two really good options. Or if you just want to pick up one of the, you always want to paint Teclas and, you know, you just don't want a Lumineth Force, but you do want to paint the, the centerpiece model, um, the options there. But I think, yeah, you're right. When, and then this is the kind of the point of this show is it's not to go into deep into every single list. I think it's just near impossible to look at every single city as it keeps evolving uh, at all the different builds because, you know, I, I was looking at some of the lists, you know, um, at a recent tournaments, I saw a really heavy Demigriff Knight list in Anvil Guard, which I never would have thought of. Uh, and it did it did relatively well at the, at the US Open. You know, Demigriffs are always kind of tied to Tempest Eye or Hammerhall. Mm. Then we had a mixed Hallow Heart Force go relatively well at Summer Slaughter. So I think, yeah. It's just a lot of options. Yeah, and I think you just you see the the players separate more than lists at the moment because everyone is is so unsure about what is good that you're seeing people they can just play the game well, like play around other people's tools, and I think that that's kind of skewing what's good in the meta right now. And is is the game, you know, gets played six months, twelve months, you know, and longer, you'll see things start to separate a little bit. But right now, it's like the wild west, right? Every everything well, can be good. <laughs> the meta, the meta is still going to settle, and I think at the moment, the the trends that you're starting to see is these superhero heavy builds where people are putting in a thousand or more points mm. into their heroes, and it, and it's either the you know Archeon and Archeon and um and kairos builds or you're seeing marathi and gotrek you're seeing mega gargants running around the table um you, you're seeing teclas you're seeing nagash you're seeing you know catacross um so i'm seeing a lot of points in those lists and people aren't going the what we used to call like the you know lots of bodies on the table we're not nearly seeing that build and i don't know if it'll swing yeah agreed the um i think a lot of the like the extreme examples, people will figure out how to play against it. Like Nagash and Archeon and Gotrek, you'll be able to see people mitigate the effectiveness of those models. Um, but there are, it's still going to be Hero Hammer at the end of the day because all of your your battle tactics favor that style. So, yeah. Specifically, Hero Monster Hammer, I think, is the. Yep. is the call out is that because of the and then we keep talking about it because you get the heroic actions get the monstrous rampages you get extra victory points if you have monsters interacting with i think at least 50 percent of them i think four out of the eight give you bonus vp um yep. how do you think we would handle some of these superheroes right now so i think the three things that are all there's probably four things that are really causing the internet con, you know concern right now like they're ready to press the band button <laughs> one is is archaeon with um with with um kairos or even just archaeon on his own um gotrex running around causing people nightmares marathi's causing some people some nightmares um you've got some things like severeth in lumineth and um uh, uh, Manfred, who are literally just teleporting out of combat and you can't get them, like they're just not allowing you to get into them. And then Mega Gargans, who are just lots of bodies that just sit on objective and lol at you because they're counting as 20. Yeah. Um, I think as we, as the meta adapts to playing against those models, I think that you're going to see people either try to control their application, so mess with their movement or their ability to get charges, such as like Corn Demon Prince or like for example the um ko have the 
the navigators that can have movement and stop your fly. And it's like warp lightning vortex can stop you from running things like that, where you control their movement and their application, or you just make yourself so tough that those monsters can't kill you. And I think that'll be the two predominant play styles against those things. Um, there's a lot of it in the game that people just aren't using because it hasn't come up yet. Like Slanesh, for example, has a lot of spells that can turn off characters' ability to charge or use command abilities. And you just don't see people play those things because they haven't been important in the past. So um, I think you'll see people adapt to those kind of options if it stays well, even, as it is. Even the Soul Snare Shackles, uh, I, I, don't, I can't remember exactly the rules off the top of my head, but that got changed recently to to be a, a bit of a, a board control yep. denying your opponent from charge. Yeah, it's um, a six-inch bubble from each piece of the soul, soul snare shackle. So you can put it on the objective and then run onto the objective one of your units, and they can't kill you with combat damage unless they get rid of mm -hmm. those soul snare shackles. And I think they're like CV7. So it's not an easy roll either to get them off the board. Oh, and we're getting a plus one to our cast naturally as cities yep. players. Um, let alone from any other pluses to cast, which we have a lot of pluses to cast, but not crazy amounts of, you know, plus three or plus four kind of stuff. Yeah. One other thing I'm probably noticing, and I'll, I'll jump to your list, I think, in a minute, we kind of, you know, doing some really good stuff here, uh, is... Whenever we get to it. <laughs> I like no, like, like, so far. Yeah. again, we could talk for hours, and I think it's, it's great seeing everyone in the chat just talking, and, you know, we're seeing people pa very passionate about their cities. I'm very passionate about my... Oh. I think Tempest Die is my city now. It's... Um, and then... I've got a couple of, I, I would have called myself a Hallow Heart player initially, but I think now I'm a Tempest Eye player. Hmm. What was I going to say? I was going to say something. Uh, oh, oh, one of the other things that, one of the other trends that you're seeing right now is um, the requirement for mortal wounds. Um, pe some people, and I don't agree with them, but some people are saying Rend 1 is trash. And I disagree with them, but what I what the undertone for that is, is that you're seeing a lot of high armor saves of you know blood knights with a uh, with a, a two plus armor save, then with a ward save, and that's just not one right. You're seeing a lot of heroes and a lot of pluses to save. You can get plus one from Mystic Shield, plus one from um, uh, uh, your finest hour. You can get plus one from all that defense. Obviously, modifiers are capped, but there's a lot of really high armor saves, and we need mortal wounds. How do you feel we we are from like a mortal wound perspective to deal them out? Um, it's definitely a good question. Um, I think that the Hurricanums are a very aggressive, aggressively good buy in cities, either with the character or without. I think they're both excellent because of the ability to do those 3D3 mortal wounds. Um, those are very strong. The Phoenix is flying over with um, Wake of Fire, very strong form of mortals. And then, I mean, monster casters... You're always going to have a monster caster with arcane bolt and a stomp, and that will be able to do those, you know, you know two to six mortal wounds. So that's always something that can be in your pocket. Um, but what I really think that the discussion should be around those three plus um, armor save units is if they have that, you're going to have to find ways to do multiple instances of damage in different phases because you're going to have to take away their resources that make them situationally tougher so that you get access to that normal natural three plus armor save later in the turn i think is going to be what people really evolve to eventually outside of mortal wounds because mortal wounds are just expensive to get 
Mortal wounds are very expensive, and I love the call out there, the Hurricanum. Um, some people are already talking about it, that you can unleash hell with the Hurricanum, which means that you get to deal some serious mortal wounds on the charge, so Blood Knights might reconsider that charge. But you're right, resource management in this game has become even more important because there are now more options. You know, for every reroll of a charge, and you can only do one Inspiring Presence, You've then got all that attack, all that defense. You can rally, bring back some models. You can redeploy. And I found redeploy is probably one of my favorite command points right now. The way to make a charge even harder to be able to, I've moved onto objectives because I've redeployed and there's been a gap for me to move off, you know, onto an objective, which has been great. Or I've been able to move away from an opponent and deny them from scoring their grand, their battle tactic because they've said they want to kill this unit, this kill this hero, and I've gone, yeet. Yeah. Um, and Living City, I'm glad you brought Redeploy up because I also think it's very strong, but um, Living City specifically has a very interesting um, interaction with Redeploy um, in that you can stay outside of Redeploy range and then move in the shooting phase within range of where you want to be, and since it's not in the movement phase, they can't Redeploy. So I think that's a very strong tool that they have. Yeah, massive. Um, by, by the way, shout out to Buckets as well as um, Poet who had made some donations to the chat. I just completely forgot to acknowledge because I'm just so excited to talk cities because there's just so much crazy shenanigans in this book. It's just not funny. You know, you could go the fact that the the Luminar uh, the Luminar the Luminarch, you know, with a quite a large range now has a lot of board presence because of the the shortening of the size. Um, one thing I've learned I've learned you know very early on in third edition is the bubble aura because the tables have shrunk both width and depth. Um, you get a lot more value from some very quite large bubbles. So mm -hmm. um, can be quite good. You know, getting um, I, I, you know there's so you know was it the uh, handgunners and sisters of the watch the ones on foot. You know, getting a free all that defense, no, all that unleash hell um, now because they used to be able to shoot on the charge when they got charged. Now it's just a free unleash hell. So there's yeah, just so many options. Very strong tools. Yeah, it's going to be a book that's it's not figured out by any stretch, and you're going to see more and more, you know, permutations down the road. I think as people just keep sharpening their lists in a lot of ways. So. I remember, um, I remember when Cities very first came out in second edition, most books come out with, you know, sheer fire and, you know, start placing at tournaments really quickly. And Cities, it took a good six six to nine months to kind of start seeing those lists because of the, the intricacies. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and does, does Sylvaneth Wizards in Living Cities getting Verdant Blessing? No, no, they don't because it's based off the, um, the book with the exception of... Um, uh, Alariel and the I think it's the War Song that have access to the allegiance, but um, but no allied wizards don't get access to their spell law unless it says on their war scroll that they have access to the spell law, mm -hmm. um, which is one of the complications I know because it's a Sylvaneth wizard, but the spell law is based off you having the allegiance of that faction. So if you're not a Sylvaneth allegiance, you don't get access to Verted Blessing or the spells, with the exception of Alariel on that. Um, so yeah, cool, cool. Um, do you want to talk lists or anything else you want to talk about in regards to third edition? Um, like I was just looking at some of my notes. Um, the Gur Battle Mage, I think, is another good one I, I would call out. Um, yeah, the um, 
Azeros is going to change, so I don't know yeah. how good it will be. Phoenix Guard with Emerald Life Swarm, excellent. And then Anointed on Flames Fire. And then the Drakes. I think Drakes, it was I was kind of struggling to put Drakes on the top five that of the units that I like, actually, because they are very limited and very dependent on their support. So when you're committing to to getting those drakes, as you, we'll see later in the list building, but um, it's not a 480 point commitment. It's closer to like eight nine hundred points to make them what they are. So I don't know if they're as good as some of the other options, especially when cost is brought into consideration for sure. Um, one other call out I'll make, and then I'll come to the chat, is a thought that I had that I haven't tested. It's just this is pure maths hammer. But if we go down to a meta, which is going to be like, you know, 1,200, 1,500 points of heroes with some support, Hammer Hall might actually work really well if you take, you know, five units or six units of just really cheap, I don't know, free guild guard in Hammer Hall because you get the banner and you get to roll a dice and for every six you roll, you get extra CP. So getting a, a CP farm of free guild guard and then putting in your 1,500 points or 1,200 points into these combat monsters. Maybe it's a Stormcast Dragon. Maybe it's, is it Yanessa, the, the new Stormcast hero? Uh, yeah, Yandressa. Um, yeah, her. Like, yeah. like you could put all your points into some real combat monsters and then mm. at the back have a bunch of, yeah, free guild guard just generating you CP to enable you to double fight in your opponent's zone, which is now shorter and easier to get to. Yep. Um, and you had some real combat. So again, there's just a lot of cool options. And I think as the metas kind of settles, we can find what works for you. And to the question that two people have asked now in exactly is how do we feel about the battle mage on Griffin? Um, mm. I'll throw it to you first before I give you my thoughts. Um, I don't, a monster with a five plus base armor save is that's a huge red flag for me. Um, I guess you could throw amulet on, the monster and make him make him tanky but i'm i think you can use him but i think that there's better options i think that that's probably my thoughts on the on the model in general i think there's some i think there's some use and i was testing this out in second edition towards the end with a battle mage on griffin in tempest eye and using it as like a mobile hawkeye um or no 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 not in the Hawkeye um the the spell oh, is it the spell that gives you plus one attack or plus one there's a there's a really good uh, an aura it's a, it's, just, it's a it's a spell I know what you're talking about yeah I was yeah you you know what I'm talking about in two point you use it with the um the balloon boys with the saws it's very good devils their attack output <laughs> if yeah I was thinking about that because the hurricane I'm without some type of flying and I know there's now a flying spell but I probably wouldn't choose that compared to some of the other choices mm. um maybe maybe it it could be a good option with flaming weapon maybe if that becomes a sp I haven't thought about that just it's just an idea that just comes to my head but maybe I, flaming weapon it could possibly yeah, well, I think if you're interested in the battle mage on Griffin I would um or I would recommend you to look at a, the um, the anointed on Flamespire with Master Magic and Arcane Tome. I think it's going to be a better buy for those points, um, especially yeah. because the one of the War Scroll abilities it triggers when when magic goes off in a certain range of the model, you get a plus one to the save. So if you do Mystic Shield, you're getting plus two to your save, essentially. So 
It's very An good. aura of glory, by the way, is what we're talking about. And we're going to get to your list in a second. I just want to quickly acknowledge um, why are we being a bit negative on the Azeros? And that is because re-rolls are being phased out of the game. Uh, there's a lot of re-rolls that are no longer available. And my interpretation, this is not this is this is a prediction, not a coach knows. My prediction is that the Azeros will lose the re-roll ability and it might be more of a plus one if they follow the trend. That's a, that is a thought, not a go tell the internet that coach is saying that re-rolls are disappearing. It's yeah. just a trend that's happening in the game. Yeah, as is, though, auto-include as your adjutant. Very good, um, if yes. in my opinion. But like for all the reasons that you mentioned, I think I would be cautious on going out and buying one and painting it up because it's going to change here in the next few weeks. Yeah, yeah. Anything, anything Stormcast related, I wouldn't touch until the new battle time. That includes um, Annihilators. It includes Dragon. It could, you know, Indressor. It's it, it Stormcast is a risk. If you have it, awesome. Use it. If it, if you don't have it just yet, I would pause at least until you've seen the battle time and and what's being rewritten. Liberators might be incredible, but mm. you know what I mean. Like they could, they could get like mortal Absolutely. wounds. Who knows? Yeah. Three plus base save right. across that book is going to make him crazy. But. Correct. Like Liberators could be awesome. We did see a little bit of Liberator love in Broken Realms Marathi, and that was short-lived. Um, <laughs> but this was the list that you went four and one at Lone Star Open, right? Or did you update this list before sending it to me? No, this is the list. No. Cool. So you went you went four one with this list. Um, it is a living city list. Um, maybe the first first thought would be why did you choose living city out of all the cities, and then maybe some of the the high level stuff, especially like your grand strategy. Okay. So um, the genesis of this entire list idea was I've wanted to play Larial for a really long time, um, all the way back before. I mean, probably two or three War Scroll updates ago. I, it's one of my favorite models in the game. And I've always like looked for a way to get her in the game. With with Sylvaneth, it was kind of hard to consider her, especially before she got her War Scroll update. And um, but with the the new rules that she got, and then the addition rolling over to 3.0, I think that Alarial in Living City is a very strong option. Oh, and it's probably as high as her stock's going to get, in my opinion. So it was just a great opportunity to play a model that I've wanted to play a long time. Um, yeah, one and... of my one of my mates has been doing doing Living City. My mate Dave McElroy, um, absolute legend. He loves it, and I think initially, I think initially when people started thinking about Living City, and and, and you'll have a great answer to this, people noticed that Alariel's base was too large to be alpha striking from the sides of the board, and and then the conversation almost stopped for most people. They're like, no, I can't deep strike her. Don't need her. But yeah, it's um, that 160 millimeter is it's like 15 and and what enough enough centimeters to not be six inches. So it's a it, bee's dick. It is a bee's dick. <laughs> yeah. And if you it, and I get the argument right, rules is written, but I think I've explored the intent that could be behind that rule, and I have had a argument about whether or not that was intended or not because they had some interesting things in 2.0 where. They they almost had a stopgap for that rule where you just put your model on the board as much as you could and let it overhang. Like that was written mm -hmm. into the rule set in 2.0. But, but um, aside from all that, in, in 3.0, she's much less susceptible to being alphaed off the board now with all the extra toughness. So I actually love starting her on the board. 
um, mostly to act as I, I used her as a screen a lot of the time, just because if people want to take first turn and try and kill her, you just use your um, finest hour and then all out defense. And you're looking at a two plus with a one with one buffer. And then a lot of what um, makes Alario really good is on, that's on her war scroll is the ability to innately heal 2d6 wounds. So if you don't one shot her, she's going back up to full health and, and then she's very mobile on top of all of that. And it's worth noting that Alariel got a War Scroll update in Kragnos, Broken Rob's Kragnos, and there was a couple of changes. I don't think when I was looking at the changes, there was anything that she'd lost from previous um, the previous War Scroll. I felt that she only gained from memory, and one of those things was the ability not just to heal Sylvaneth units on the table, but she could self-heal, which makes her an absolute combat monster. And as you're right, being able to use the finest hour all out defense then the heal that's tasty yeah and then i mean she's also a three cast which is she, i think she used to be a two and two and then they made her a three cast in the new book um so you're can very easily cast mystic shield to stack on top of that um one thing that was said about is that the endless spell that's in sylvaneth doesn't let you reroll ones anymore and can't be taken in living city but the idea of getting her all the way to like a one plus rerolling ones with spite swarm hive was very um that was a very attractive option before it went away, but and she's one of the models that she's one of the models that does carry the spell law with her, so she can access mm. the Sylvaneth spell law. Yeah, yeah, and then the the D six hill is really what you're looking for at the spell law. A lot of the track that I found that I was using when I was casting with her was either like Throne of Vines and um, her War Scroll Metamorphosis, which is a great spell. I think it's might be one of the best spells in the game. Um, and a lot of it has to do with people trying to kill her. Um, it's got 16 inch range and you do the, you do the modified casting roll. You roll that many dice and every three plus is a mortal wound. So it's one of your better sources of mortal wounds, especially if someone's going to slam like a big scary monster into you, um, not kill her and then take on the back swing. You know, I've, I had to do as much as eight or nine mortal wounds at times. So very good tool. Um, mm. and then, but it's just, you've run out of cast before you get to some of those, those Sylvaneth lore spells, regrowth and throat of vines is what you're looking to cast a lot of the time in my experience. Before you jump off Alariel, do you have any preferred, so one of the cool things that she does as well, um, and why maybe her points are a bit more aggressive than say Marathi is mm. Alariel can bring on a free unit. So it's a unit of Kurnoth hunters, dryads, or is that it? It's a tree lord. It's it's a lot. It's um. There's it's tree lord, yeah. dryads, uh, any of the hunters. You can do tree revs. Uh, the other type, the the alternative build to tree revs. I can't remember what they're called. Um, the spite revs. The spite revs. Yeah, stuff stuff that you won't consider because a, a lot of the time I saw that you. That I was just using the dryads because they're a good screen specifically for the iron drakes. They 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 fit in front of. Those iron drakes very well and and do their job, they die, but um, it keeps your iron drakes from dying, so they work. Um, and then a lot of the time, I don't think I ever had a turn where I wasn't using the fire and fade on Alarial. Like, she has she gets so much value out of that spell, mostly because she's got 16 inch movement. So, if you're moving twice, you're going 32 inches in a turn, right? And most people just can't conceptualize that on the board. And what it lets you do is score all of those hard to score uh, battle tactics 
that you're trying to score from turn to turn, like broken ranks, slay the warlord, all those things to where your opponent can maybe have a screen in front of something, but you just outmaneuver the screen and then you get the extra points with Valerial because she's a monster. She's very good at scoring all of those battle tactics, in my experience. Yeah, even even things that I think the only challenge would be, I think there's, I can't remember the name of it, where you've got to have two of your models in the opponent's territory. The challenge is, is that Alariel's base is so large, getting it getting it in there and having the space mm. can, you just got to be mindful of it. So, but it's easier to score. It's just a big, um, a big yeah. change. Okay, good options for uh, that too with Living City. Anything can hide off the board edge and come in off the board edge. And then the, uh, the the Shadow Stalkers are also really good for that battle tactic too. When I was... Yeah, boom, you've scored it automatically. Yeah. Um, when I was building the list, I think I might have over-tooled four battle tactics because I, I did run into some problems. I, me and Zach actually played in game two at the tournament and he exposed every problem that my list inherently had. But when I didn't have... When I was able to get what I wanted with this list, that's why I, I max so easily because it's very good at scoring those battle tactics. And I, I think I might have overreacted to it, like I said before, um, but I still think it's a very strong list in general. Majority of my guests and um, and myself included, I think you know the, one of the biggest changes from two to three edition adi that is um, is the is the fact that scoring the objectives probably isn't your primary objective anymore. It's more like your secondary and being able to score and deny battle tactics has become probably the most important part to your list building. So it's probably not a, not, not a bad thing to start thinking about what can score me the battle tactics. What are my good battle tactics? And then how can I get the bonuses and having some additional options um, is probably not a bad thing, but um, and I, what I love as well is that Alariel, if you're looking at this list, and by the way, this is just one list, you know, um, mm. take what you want out of this. You don't like Living City, you're, you prefer Settler's Gain. Take the concepts that we're talking about and see how you can apply it. But Alariel such great points that if you're like, look, I don't want Alariel, I could bring myself in Durthu, um, I could bring in a Warsong Revenant, uh, both of those for the, almost the same points as Alariel. So you know, there is, there's things you can manipulate. Yeah. It's very big points investment. Um, really any monster with a shooting attack will fit in that slot. And because that's yeah. kind of how I'm using her just to double move and, and score. Like we kind of touched on earlier. Cool. Any, anything else you'd mention with Alario? No. No. Yeah, absolute combat it. monster, Great. super durable. Works well as well with the with the ability to um, what is it you if you shoot you can then get a free is it a free move I can't remember the exact rule. Um, yeah, you when you when you shoot at the end of your shooting phase you move you you just perform a normal move and then yeah. her shooting attack is actually excellent and in three it's got two rend and it hits on twos wounds on twos so with the zeros you can basically guarantee that it's going to hit. And then don't roll a one, and you're doing six fly damage. So very good at killing small heroes. Very good at putting a dent in units. Like it's not just a marginal attack that lets you move again. It's it's a real source of damage also. So yeah, and your dresser is another example you could put into this list. I think for me, anything that can come on the side of the board and has a shooting attack that allows you to get the free move 
what it really does mean is instead of having a nine inch charge, it does allow you to really reduce that and you don't have to spend a command point potentially, especially now that COGS has changed as well. So you're not going to be able to get a plus two to the charge from COGS, which is a cheeky way to avoid that. Um, if you get that shooting attack on something that's going to sideboard um, and it's got a good combat profile, Durthu is one of them. I think Dreitcher is another good example. Um, yeah. There's some really good options for Living City. But sorry, continue, please. You've got United Zeros and the, the Rune Lord as well. Yeah, so the Zeros as is is a staple for any list that's going to have things that rely on damage, I think, because you can very easily get to a 2 plus and whatever phase for most things. And then rerolling ones just basically turns it into whatever you're rolling, whatever attack profile you're rolling is an auto hit. So as is, it's it's very good. It also comes off the board edge really well, is what I found, because it's a 10-inch range with the Lantern, and you can come in six inches off the board edge and kind of light up what you need to do damage to. And because it's that 10-inch range, you're not triggering redeploys. So it's very easy to get the reroll ones on whatever you need to target with either Alario or the Drakes. And then it's also... Uh, fairly good at generating that extra CP when it doesn't come off the board edge because it's so fast. Is it 12 inch base movement? Very easily, you know, auto advance and get make it 18 inch movement and get get it to where you need to be. Um, but it's just a force multiplier. It's pretty tough to get off the board too because it's got three plus base save. But yeah, real excellent piece for 110 points. Yeah, it's a great and and um, if you, if people missed it, um, one of the updates to the Azeros, geez, like a year or two ago, was that it used to only. I remember using it in first edition, and it only used to give you a bubble to reroll ones for shooting. Then it got an update to reroll ones to shooting and combat. So yep. the only problem with the Azeros at the moment, again, assuming it hasn't get changed is that you've got to be within 10 inches of the enemy to get the reroll. So unlike most other buffs that you've got to be within next to your people, you've actually got to be near the thing that you want to light up. So it's a bit of a, a bit of a risk trade-off. Mm, for sure. You've got our mate, the Rune Lord. <laughs> this this is this is this is a great value. I think most people should be looking at at least having at minimum a rune lord, whether it has Dwarden with it or not. It's such a great tool to have in your in your disposal. Yeah, um, I definitely agree. Um, something else that could fit into the slot if you wanted to change the build to Phoenix Guard is the Anointed, either on Phoenix or Foot. Um, just because Master of Magic and Arcane Tome is excellent for any of these little small heroes that you have to have the keyword your battle line but uh, with the rune lord and master of magic um specifically it lets you reroll your casting and your and your dispelling i don't know if it's or i don't know if you can do dispelling and unbiting also i have to look i'm a little like unpopular well the well the the rune lord the rune lord and the anointed get it for free so it's just a mm -hmm. So if you've got the arcane tome, because both of them are not wizards, but they have an, an unbind, um, I think you can do both. Um, I'd have to look at the words, but I'm, I'm confident you could do both. Yeah, I know you can do both on that end. I was more um, talking about the master magic. I don't know which of the rerolls it triggers uh, on. Ah, yeah. I think it's I think it's all. It's just one per hero phase, I believe. Don't quote me on that. Um, all right, cool. But uh, and that, and then making the. Iron Drakes an extra minus one and bumping them up to minus two with shooting, especially when you pair it with all out attack, the reroll ones from these zeros. And then if I was, I, I didn't, I wasn't able to offset my points enough to get inspired, which made me sad. 
because I wanted to be at two's re-rolling ones on that as well and basically just put 58 wounds on something. But I wasn't able to do that. But the um, the long beards let you reroll ones to wound also, as long as you can keep them close to the drake. So it's very efficient unit with damage that you can really count on. Um, I had a giant matchup, and I was able to reliably kill a giant a turn with those iron drakes. Yes, well, Jonathan B did the same thing to me in second edition, so it <laughs> <laughs> made me sad. I'm like, you're a jerk. Yeah, but it's um, and that was kind of what I alluded to earlier with the Iron Drake track was, so you it's 480 points you're just spending, right? We are also taking this Rune Lord. This is 100 points. The Azeros is there primarily for it. It's another 110 points, and then the Longbeards are 100, another 105 points, and then the Soul Screen Bridge is also there for them. So that's you know, 70, 100, 105, that's 275 plus 110 is like 385 plus 480. So you're looking at like 865 points around there. Don't quote my math. But it's um it's a big investment for a unit that can very easily get tied down and killed. So it's 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 there is some nuance to play it, but it's very strong when it works. For sure. No, I dig it. It's a it's a very aggressive shooting list, especially having both the Soul Screen Bridge and the sideboard shenanigans from Living Cities. It just does, gives you so many great options, and it means that if you do come up against, let's say, a, a super caster like Teclas that just says no, no endless spells, you've still got the ability to come in from the side, and you've got a plan B. So, um, it's 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 a great play. Yeah, it's, uh, relying on spells right now. Is, is a big risk, especially if you don't have some super casting abilities. Yeah. A lot of auto denies with the host Arcanum and Techless come to mind. There's others in the game too. Oh, but, there's, um, heaps. there's heaps. I mean, yeah. Archeon, Archeon can, um, can eat one of your, uh, eat, eat, can eat a spell or I can't think. The endless so, spell. There's so many. Yeah. yeah. But the so host Arcanum, like on the first, third, fifth, and battle round, you're looking at, if they know what spell to wait on, they wait on your on your bridge and they just stop your application. So yeah. super hard to deal with that. And by the way, I'm, I'm being told Masters of Magic uh, does buff Unbinds too. So oh, uh, you thank you. Excellent. So if, if we're wrong, we can now blame Veritas. It's <laughs> <laughs> now on Veritas. <laughs> makes sense to me. <laughs> but, um, and that was, I kind of went through the Iron Drake track already. The, um, the Free Guild Guard... Um, aside from being one of your mandatory battle line um, and you just have to have it, they also are a good unit to hide off the board and just threaten backline objectives when they're there and also the other battle tactics that you're trying to score by getting in your opponent's territory. They're good for that. Um, so even when a unit might not provide any combat value, they can still provide value for just being on the board, right? Mm. That's kind of how they work. And then the um, the Shadow Stalkers are... Um, I was, I was pretty happy with how they performed. It's kind of a last-minute thing that I threw in. Um, but what they do really well is they are a good placeholder for your units that you hide off the board because you can just put them anywhere, and then they move by redeploying. So they're very good at sitting in the corner and and screening things off and then threatening a redeploy also. So it's, there's a lot of movement in the list, which gives a lot of people that – don't play against that. It's it's very different from the normal play style. So if someone plays the game in the same way they play it every game, which I've noticed that there's, you know, um, the middle tables are kind of like that. Everyone's got a 
way that they want to play and they play it the same way every time. So um, that works if you're playing against armies that you would normally play against, but this is different from that play style. So it really exposes that, that type of thought I found um, because of all those movement shenanigans for sure. Burning question. Yes. Moving the shenanigans. Um, I mean, people have been watching this channel for a while now know that I've, I've said it many times that what wins you games is the movement phase. It's not about the combat phase. It's about the movement phase and um, having movement versatility is just absolute. Um, it, it just, it's gold. A burning question that cities of Sigma players might be thinking about is why would you be a heretic and take the shadow stalkers when we have a naturally good shadow warriors that could fit into that slot? Um, <laughs> it's an excellent question. Um, I think that the shadow warriors, if, if I remember right, are like close to 180 points. That was, or, or I, think they're very, I think they're expensive. I think that was one of the things that came up when I was list building with them, but I'm not sure on that. Don't quote me on that either. All right, I um, don't remember them that, that. I don't remember them being that expensive. I remember they were being. Yeah. All right. Let's assume they were the same price, and because points change all the time. But um, well, I also why else? Why else? I'm also a nasty Darza Kane player that everybody hates, so I had these already. So this all saved right. me fifty bucks or so. <laughs> Um, I'm being told they are the same price. So even yeah, I think um, Hades has uh, called that the reason I would go Shadow Stalkers over Shadow Warriors is that once Shadow Warriors are on the table, they're on the table, while Shadow Stalkers can choose to not make a move and instead teleport. So it does yeah. mean that once they're on the table and a late, an objective is exposed, you could be teleporting literally every turn while Shadow Warriors are stuck. So... That's um, a very good point too. And then also, now that I actually know what Shadow Warriors do, I was trying to avoid the question. But now that I know what they uh, do, <laughs> <laughs> they're good. They they they're um, decent. They're decent. They're and very, I think I... they're very good. Um, but what I found is that I need units to be on the board so I can outflank other ones. And um, that was the the Shadow Stalkers offered that over Shadow Warriors. For sure. Well, yeah, because you can only have for every one unit on the table, you can put one on the side. So the Shadow Stalkers can start on the table and then still teleport around. The other cool thing is the Shadow Stalkers, the leader has three wounds, so it works out to be 12 wounds over yep. the 10 that Shadow Warriors has, and they have a natural minus one to hit against them. I think it's in combat or maybe it's shooting on both, but they do have a, a, a neg modifier against them. So, yep. um, so it, it, it be, uh, either way, if you don't want your Shadow Stalkers, you've got Shadow Warriors. Uh, another good call-out as well was um, Tree Revs uh, apply a similar role. They can they can use their, their Pipes of the Whalewood to kind of teleport around. Yeah, the um, the Tree Revs, I for sure have a definitive answer on that because I considered them very heavily. Um, what wound up happening is I didn't have enough units to take them. So you can only have one in four Sylvaneth. I have two yes. Sylvaneth units. So yeah. I ran out of slots. That was why I don't have tree revenants in there. Talk to me about the tree lord. So you got the tree lord in there as well. Um, I have a feeling I know why you've got the tree lord in there, but what's the what's the role of the tree lord? Because it's, it's you know it's a big chunk of change at two hundred points. Yeah. So um, it was an attractive monster option for me because it fit into the battle regiment in that behemoth slot. And it's also a monster that has a three plus save, which is pretty rare and especially to be pointed at 190 points because what it does is it makes it very durable against conventional damage. So it wasn't using it. I wasn't using it for damage. I was using it as 
a tool to come off the board edge and score battle tactics. And then also like clean up little small 10 man screens. And also with um, coming off the board edge and it also has a shooting attack. So when it would redeploy after shooting, a lot of the time it could kill just enough to take the smaller objectives away from a 10 man screen. It maybe kill six or seven of the models out of the unit and it counts as five. So I get that objective. And that's kind of how it functioned in my list. And by having Alariel plus the Tree Lord and then the Rune Lord who has the Arcane Tome, you can then cast Metamorphosis to turn the tree, the Rune Lord into a monster and score that battle tactic ferocious advance that three monsters have to be next to each other. So um that and then and then what's great is um one of the other rules obviously in Gur is that if you lose a monster you your opponent scores one victory point if they kill it you can obviously get the benefits of the rune lord and then not cast that again or cast it only when you really need it yeah exactly big question maybe from marco and actually a really good a good one is there's no hurricanum and i guess i think the challenge here and we're talking a lot is that there's just so many options in cities we could customize this to you know we talked earthu and andrecha just from living city alone but you know take this type of build or take a similar build and why no hurricanum being that we've talked all the great benefits of having the mortal wounds unleash hell is there any reason outside of points that you didn't bring the um, the wizard wagon the um so the hurricanum was originally actually in the list so i considered it very heavily um i didn't have the hero slot available in the battle regiment it was very important to me when list building to stay as a one drop for this list because i think it's very important to dictate turn order with a list that is as fragile as this one is i think you have to know how to set up your army in the deployment phase to have the success you need to have so you can either dictate turn or at least prepare for someone if you have to give them the turn right so that was important that was one of the things that it one of the things that turned me off of the hurricane is that i was relegated to the one without the hero um and if it had been a monster i would have taken it that's what it came down to i was worried about scoring objectives over the value that the hurricane brought because i could already all out attack on the iron drakes so i didn't need the plus one a lot of the time from the hurricane so it was really it would have just been for the mortal wounds and I thought that the monster keyword was more important than the mortal wounds that it would provide. But it was, I guess, a, it was very close to being in my list for sure. And I guess the same type of logic applies to Hunters of the Heartland, which has become a very popular build. You know, whether you put Gotrek in it or not, being able to deny your opponent from roaring at you, um, because that because stopping the all-out attack or all-out defense. Uh, and, uh, by the way, roar doesn't stop inspiring presence. Luckily. But being able to, to I guess, I guess the reduced drops or not being able to go out more than one, um, I guess that was more of a benefit than going Hunters of the Heartland and you just accept the risks there. Yeah, I just didn't have any of smaller units that would fit in that that I was going to play through because the Drakes don't play in the combat phase, so I don't need Hunters of the Heartlands on them. And then Alarial is mobile enough to avoid monsters, luckily, and she can't fit in it anyways. So that's kind of the thought process on that battalion for this list specifically. I noticed you got the curse on the Rune Lord. Um, now, I, I've i been I'm not struggling, but, you know, Rune, the curse only has what is it, a nine-inch range. Yep. So I've, I've been struggling to find getting the right, the right uh, priest in range to actually use the ability at the right time 
How are you finding curse and how are you making the most of it? Because I'm struggling a little bit with my daughter's a cane curse. Um, so it's only I, it's strictly a defensive tool. And any every game I've ever played, I've only had it come up once. And the roll failed when I, when I tried to do it. But what I found is that it's fighting with the extra rend on the rune lord that, in, that innately happens. You're probably going to cast that every time. So you're looking for utility outside of that as an alternative. and the healing doesn't do anything for me in living city because there's so much of it already. Like every unit in the army is going to heal one already. Alario is going to heal 2d6 and then she's going to make the Sylvaneth units heal d3. And then I also have access to regrowth from the spell lore. So I just wasn't ever using that heal in practice. And so the only thing that I could think of that would have value outside of the Ren prayer was the curse. It's kind of the thought process yeah. on that. I really like it. I think it's a great offensive build, especially when you need mortal wounds to handle some of these higher armored saves or, you know, cut through a Gotrek, for example. Um, but yes, I found getting the curse off is a bit harder than I first thought. But um, yeah, I, I thought I, I'd ask you because you're right. Like I get it off like once, maybe a game if I'm lucky or yeah. twice, you know, but yeah, it it's not, consistent. It's not uh, consistent. Yeah, it came up in my game against Zach in game two. Um, he charged the Iron Drakes with his, uh, his Varengard. So it's very important to get Curse off. And the Rune Lord did a mortal wound to himself. So <laughs> It always happens. <laughs> I've been actually, look, uh, in Daughters of Cain, I've been getting the Iron Circlet just so I can get a reroll yeah. to my cast and then getting an Avatar in there to give me plus one. So I'm a two plus rerolling <laughs> ones. But I realize that's not normal in Cities of Sigma. But it's just a pain in the ass. I thought it was a good idea. But I'm I'm struggling to get the most out of curse, so uh, I'm sure practice will will come and I'll learn to be a bit more aggressive. But it's it's a it's a fun little little rule. But I really like it. I think um, does a tree lord summon or is it the tree lord ancient that brings the free wildwoods on the table? It's the it's the ancient. So the yeah. tree lord doesn't do it. Would you would you see value in something like that? Like in a in a again in a different build or like a modified build? And and Alaria's not in the list. Mm -hmm. Because I always thought Living City having a bit more movement flexibility with the Wildwoods could could be could be interesting. Yeah, the um the the problem the struggling part of that equation for me was that you can only summon that one set of Wildwoods. So all of the interactions that you would need two sets of Wildwoods to have, you're counting on the table to innately have some on there already. Um, and then it's also taking up your leader slot for the the ten or more wounds because it's, a, it's keyworded as a character. So that's kind of, I was struggling to build a list with an ancient in it. Um, if I was going to go that route, I think that I would probably pick Durthu instead. I'd like to damage a little more on Durthu. Yeah. Um, actually, yeah, I really like Drycha um, as an option. I think I think the challenge, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think the challenge for me as a city's player, or even just the list builder in general, is, um, is only being able to have one, hero monster in a battalion and i know gargans have just gotten one that allows them to do more but i i don't really want to take a hurricane without a battle mage on it i feel like i'm losing yep. too much um i don't want to take a phoenix without an anointed on top i feel like i'm just losing too much yeah. so yeah. there's some real trades with the for sure with yeah, the one drop so. um and I mean, yeah, like just there's a lot of things that like because our monsters aren't that. I mean, our monsters need the heroes for reliability. Um, like I've thought about the War Hydra 
Um, and I think there might be something in the War Hydra because it has a natural heal. But mm. I'm, I'm dropping almost 200 points. Yeah, it's um, there's not really a super great <clears throat> sorry, there's not really a super great option that I found for that behemoth slot, um, outside of things outside of the book, and then the um, the Huracanum are the two things that I gravitated towards in list building. A lot of those monsters that are in the Cities of Sigmar book have some kind of flaw about them that just makes them something that I don't want in my list a lot of the time. Um, question, Jonathan, I think, um, so the question is, you know, your sisters of the watch or iron drake, so do they have both? Um, actually I'll let my guest answer that question first. Do you, do you think there's a place for sisters of the watch? Yeah, I think so. Um, you get mortal wounds on them, I believe is the difference. Um, and it, you very easily take the nomad prince and do the same setup as the, um, the rune lord does. And, um, you get a little bit more range, but you're trading a little bit of damage on the back end i think especially with what i found with the drakes is that they have minus three on their grudge hammer torpedoes and in the monster meta having d6 damage and minus three is it was very helpful at lso specifically i don't know if it will be going forward but i think monsters are here to say so monsters are here until we change from this gerb battle pack yeah. um to, to to my response to that is if you are an elf uh especially of the wood variety absolutely sisters of the watch with the nomad prince with glade guard with that type of build you could literally rinse and repeat what gav said and just go from a duarden build into the elf build and you'd probably find very similar similar not the same but a very similar kind of play style with some pros and cons as you said more mortals less rend i guess but you don't have as much high damage, but also the consistency, you probably get a bit more consistency from the damage as opposed to a D6 swing. Yeah. Um, you know what, you know, and you know what, to, we, we didn't talk about Harkiron. Again, this, we could go forever. We could go forever <laughs> with this. People are like, what about Harkiron? What about this? What about mm -hmm. Hammerhall? What if I do a Celestin Prime with your dresser? And I... <laughs> The uh, great my, thing as well, folks, is that you can leave me a comment in the comment section to tell me which units and cities and combinations you're using and why. So all the youtube stuff, you tell me because there's just so many varieties in this build. Yeah, and then I would encourage anyone to just go explore the builds yourself because it's that's the most fun about list building is seeing it play out on the table and then tweaking things as as you play more games, tweaking things and tweaking your own play style in conjunction with those things are the things I like most about the game. Um, I know everyone has the things they like, but I really enjoy that process and I would encourage anyone to do it really. So, so maybe final question, Gav, and we kind of close it out is what have you learned over your last, like what two, we've had, two, we've had third edition for two months now. Is there anything in particular that maybe you thought about at the start that you've kind of learnt over time or now new considerations that you'd want to share with people? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so one of the big things I've noticed is that the tempo change from 2.0 to 3.0 is pretty dramatic because in 2.0, at the end of it especially, is you had a lot of armies that were tooled to do a lot of damage with not a lot of interaction from your opponent in turn one or two and then you know go for that turn roll off and end the game early. Whereas in 3.0, that playstyle, you aren't rewarded for that playstyle in 3.0 like you were in 2.0. Um, you're more rewarded for things that can be tough and hold the board. I think as a general rule of thumb, both in the way the game progresses, in the 
auxiliary tools and then in the actual battle pack itself most of the missions have all of their objectives in the center of the board so it's just going to favor the grind style um and that's one thing i've noticed and then yeah just generally is toughness over damage like i i, I really underestimated going from the old edition to this one how much more toughness would be valuable over damage in general so that's what i would i would caution you to build the things that are designed to do a lot of damage on turn one and in the yeah. game on turn one because they just don't work anymore i think i think cities got really lucky that a lot of our units are on 25 mil bases so coherency hasn't really impacted us as negatively as let's say anything's on 32s and i don't remember there's i don't think there's a lot of 32s um most of ours are 25s and then if a lot of our we've got a, a good selection of troops that have a 25 mil base with a two inch reach so we do have a whole heap of abilities for sure uh, which which i thought was great i think probably the key lesson i've probably learned is i think at the end of two 2e i was thinking a lot about like multiple small units and screens and you know you'd always take one or two units of aether wings you'd have a cheap set of bodies to go throw out and i think as points went up and um the restrictions of, of, of how you build you know within a core battalion have changed mm. i found that i'm really concentrating my force now um, i might still have one unit that could be a screen or a cheap body but i'm not nearly having as many because i don't need to spread out my force nearly as much i don't have to claim eight objectives in a one battle pack um i don't have to hold four and, and advance to get four so mm. Yeah, I think you'll see people gravitate more towards uh, a list building style that favors your your core tools more than the actual selections you're making, and that you're you're going to take tools that can go on any of your units. So, because I think there's a lot of value in that, because then your opponent can't focus down a specific unit you have a lot of value tied up in. Your every all, your, all of your force multipliers where the value of your list is, and I think that that kind of structure in list building is going to be more valuable than the stack builds that you kind of saw in 2.0. The other call that I'll make that I think I've learned really recently, and um, when Games Workshop clarified this, um, it, it got me thinking that being able to only issue or receive one command per phase, um, there's a lot of, at least in because I play cities and the, the free guild side of cities, there's a lot of things that happen in the hero, in the combat phase. Mm. Um, being able to get aura buffs, so things like in like the Hurricane and the Luminarch, um, the Free Guild General gives a buff from an aura. All those types of auras then allow you to then get additional benefits in whatever phase, all that attack, all that defense. Um, so for me, I think for cities, especially with you know tapping into those auras, just gives you a lot more way to boost up your force that a lot of a lot of armies don't have access to. Yeah, for sure. People are see people whinge. I want cannons and mortars back. People talk about Harkiron. People cog forts. Like just cities of Sigma is just it's one of these armies that just creates so much verse. And who knows what happens to cities? You know, uh, we quit the Dawnbringers, and there could be a repackage of cities. There's rumors that Dwarden are all coming together in a mega battle tome, and that'll be that'll be where your artillery goes. I think that'll be a crazy we, army. Just a crazy army to think about, right? Imagine or imagine fire slayers and KO together. <laughs> <Yeah>. Fire slayers <laughs> in the boats. I'd love to see it. 
Gav, if um if people want to talk more to you, are you active on the socials at all? Um, I know I've got a massive Discord that's full of Cities of Sigma diehards, like the people here on the chat. They're just absolutely mm -hmm. mental for uh, like absolutely just love their cities. Is there anything in particular? Is it, are you on socials? We can talk more with you, or where can I find you other than your house? Yeah, I'm like I'm an old uh, boomer. I only use Facebook. I need to get better about using the other platforms, but. On Facebook, there's a lot of the Houston groups, uh, Texas Masters group, the Houston Age of Sigmar group are both really good groups that have a lot of discussion in them. And then we also have Discord servers that you can find through those groups or that also they're just the, the Grand Alliance Houston Discord. I'm always in there making fun of all the people that think they run things in Houston. That's that's my role. I've been relegated to it. I enjoy it. But uh, Mr. Kyle Valdez, he is the one who... Um, he does a lot of great things for the Houston community. He's always organizing tournaments. He organizes that Discord. And I, I love uh, taking the piss. As you and shout out to Kyle as well, who val who validated that you weren't a potato. When I saw you go <laughs> go four and one, I said to Kyle's like, oh, my friend did this. And I'm like, is he a potato or could he actually talk on talk on the internet? He's like, yeah, I, I don't think he's a potato. So he validated your and – and I hear the next video we're doing with your, your community, I'm, I've got like a whole bunch of Texas guys just un, – unaware of your old texas you're all doing really well mm. i hear the beard is evolving over time so we've got um we've got another beard coming up soon so uh, it just yeah. gets bigger and bigger yeah but mr evan miller you'll enjoy him um he he loves playing off meta stuff great player um and he's got a lot of interesting thoughts about slanesh for sure and then in general i think that i wasn't able to get to a lot of the Texas community, um, they love their shoutouts. Um, Shout out to like the uh, Lawmaster Sotek, another another yeah. one of the Texas crew. I love all you guys, and I think the reason that you, like Texas in general has such a strong community is because we have so many good players here, and that's that old adage that iron sharpens iron, right? When you have people pushing each other to get better, that's how you get better. It's not just one person list building in their own room, right? And um. If you're, if anyone else is looking to build a community, I encourage you to seek out people and challenge people to get better around you. Don't go into games as with winning as your primary objective. I think that you should look to get better as the primary thing that you're trying to do and winning will come as a sidebar to that. If I was going to offer I, advice. I will shout out your community. I, I stumbled upon the Texas scene in 2019 or 18 when you guys started up the Masters series and just the way you brought up, you know, Houston and Dallas and you brought them all together in Austin. And then even just the way I think I saw a, uh, there was a charity event I got really inspired by where I think you were raising money and dog and foods for some animal shelters and you know, being able to do events, you know, whether it's whether it's physical donations or canned food drives. Um, I saw some really cool things out of your community. And then is it the Weird Knobs developed the um, that great cheat sheet for AOS 3? Mm. You got some really good stuff in your community. So um, yeah. if you are from, from the Texas Masters scene, just big, big love because you are doing awesome work. And uh, I, I sit back and I, I am inspired by the work that you, your whole community is doing. Yeah, we appreciate it. All right. Well, for all the feels and the loves, and uh, as, I said, as I said earlier, like you know, um, uh, let me know. Let me know in the comment section what you're building towards. If you love Hakiron, tell me. If you're a Duarte and you're building Duarte, and if you're telling me that I'm wrong with my grey water hatred and uh, <laughs> Tempest Eye isn't as good as I keep claiming, or if you're the crazy person that went like really well with Phoenician, 
How on earth did you do Phoenician? <laughs> I don't understand. I do not understand Phoenician. Yeah. I don't know anyone who understands. I've asked yeah. so many people. They're like, hmm. yeah, I don't know what the what in that allegiance ability makes that a viable thing. I understand that Phoenix Guard are good, but why not just play the Phoenix Guard and something else? Be I think I need to look secret. at it. I think I need to re-look at it because in 2E with the battalion of having the four Phoenixes and things that die, mm. I didn't quite make sense. I'm like, uh, it's kind of like counterproductive. It's trying to heal you, but then it's also rewarding you for dying. Maybe yeah. without the battalion, I need to look at it with fresh eyes and maybe there is something there, but yeah. I don't understand. <laughs> Mixed two of us. <laughs> all right i'm gonna roll up the show thank you all i hope you all enjoyed it leave the comments tell me what you love about cities if there's a particular city you want to do a list talking about i will do it this is not the one and only this is just an example of what we're looking at from a 3e perspective the first 90 days or whatever it works out to be um and we will come back to this later but gav you are a legend thank you for your insights and um best of luck in the texas master scene i appreciate it and thank you very much for having me on no pleasure all right see you guys Thanks for sticking around until the end. I hope you found that video interesting and you walked away with a few new ideas. If you did, I would appreciate it if you hit like on the video as well as left me a comment. Let me know what your thoughts are in the comment section below. The conversation will continue over on Discord, so links down below in the episode description if you want to join the Discord and continue the Age of Sigma conversation. I want to give a massive shout out as well to these absolute bloody legends, these champions who have continued to support me through Patreon or YouTube members. That is going directly into supporting the maintenance and the growth of this channel. So thank you very much, guys. Much appreciated. And until next time, roll more fixes.